Welcome to Their Very Best, a podcast where total amateurs make wild proclamations about the work of expert professional musicians, despite having no actual qualifications. I'm Bill Noto. And I'm Waldron Faulkner. Thanks for joining us for wild, unsolicited opinions about Talk Talk. And welcome once again, Tim Lindbergh. Uh, great to be back, gentlemen. This episode, I think it'll be a little bit different. We've talked before about what we call the Martha model. Bill's wife, Martha, has a, a strategy for teaching poetry where there's a sort of like, how did they get into this thing? And then where did they go afterwards? And this one really, I think, is the, um, the Martha model for not just a specific very best album, but for one particular song that I just love. Um, it's one of my top, I'll call it top five or ten favorite pieces of music ever. And it's by Talk Talk. So there's a particular kind of music nerd like myself who probably went through like a five to seven to 10 year Pink Floyd phase early on in their life and wondered if they would ever love another band or album or piece of music as much as they ever loved their, their Pink Floyd stuff. And then suddenly, miraculously in the 90s and early 2000s, they discovered Radiohead. If you loved Pink Floyd from the 70s and then you loved Radiohead in the 90s, what could you have loved in the 80s that was going to be in the same vein of those two things? And I think perhaps Talk Talk is the closest thing that a similarly minded Pink Floyd Radiohead nerd could grab onto. So I have a question. So how do you feel about sort of that early to mid 80s synth pop genre of music in general? Are you holding Talk Talk outside of the, the cluster of into the gap and new order and all that are, are they there's no way you can right because let's begin listening to this song called talk talk <laughs> this is from 1982 there's no possible way tim that you could classify this outside of oh my god synth pop <laughs> no this is dead red Bill, do you know this song? No, but it sounds like it's from 1982. Like it sounds to right. me like it sounds to me like Squeeze and like oh, great band, Duran, Duran 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 and Hollow Notes too. Yes. <laughs> and I like it. Duran Duran for sure. I agree with that. I kind of like this also. Okay. They put out albums every two years, like Clockwork. It's uh, four albums in a row like that. And who introduced you to this? This is like a little bit of an inquisition. I really like it. <laughs> the person who says he introduced me to Talk Talk in general is Tim's brother, Andrew Lindbergh. Uh-huh. One of my best friends of all time, whom I've known since we were 15 years old together. Okay. Who, who absolutely would have been listening to this in real time but I didn't I didn't listen to that like what he introduced me to is something years later that's very different there's another song oh, this sounds this sounds like the cars it does sound like the cars <laughs> and and your point before Bill about Duran Duran is right on Buddy. 
like this is everything coming out of the UK between like 81 and 86 was this. Totally. It also sounds like Roxy Music. It's Avalon. Well, Bill, you would not peg me as a fan of this band, I would take it. Like I, that song Talk Talk yeah. that we listened to before, I actually like that song and, and didn't hate it when it was on the radio. I would not have like bought the album or anything like that, but I didn't like actively hate it. This song? You hate it? <laughs> this song oh wait a minute I know this one this song is better than talk talk no this song represents it's like that whole John Hughes Molly Ringwald like St. Elmo's fire like you know like it's right there I'm picturing like the screen of 80s hits going by like Was that song on a soundtrack? I mean, that's uh, that just I'm just like, I don't know. It should have been. Yeah, I'm like, you know, it right. It feels the- like it should have been. And maybe it feels like it because it's so undifferentiated from all the 80s music, which it's that song brings back favorable Molly Ringwald imagery. It totally does. <laughs> Somewhere in here, there's a future debate over the merits of a lot of other music from the 80s. My point is, is that this is stuff that you would not say is right in line with my love for a band like Pink Floyd or Radiohead. Right. Sure. Is Waldron's like structure for the show, here's where they started and you'd think I'd hate it, but look where they went and I love it. Is that what's happening yes. here? Okay. That's exactly, that's, that's exactly it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now I'm going to skip over an album that happened two years after this in 86. So it's 82 was Talk Talk, the song Talk Talk and the party's over the album. Um, 84 is It's My Life and that thing we just now listened to. Yeah. In uh, 86, they had another album. I'm going to skip that. But then in 88, they came out with this album called Spirit of Eden. And it's different. This is the album that Andrew introduced me to. I think it was him. And I don't know kind of how they got from that It's My Life song to this stuff. This is 88? This is 1988. There's an intro here that lasts for two minutes. So there's a little bit of time for me to get into the music theory that I threatened to do for this episode. Okay, and forgive me if you know this, and also really forgive me if it's like, I'm not explaining it well enough. I'll ask you interrupting questions as much as possible. Great. So if you look at a piano keyboard, you're gonna have white keys and black keys. And if you take nearly any of the white keys and you play that note and you call that the root, and then you skip the next white key and play the next one up, the third one, also called the third, right? And then you skip another one and play the fifth one, and you play all those three at once, that's called a triad. And in most cases, almost all cases, that'll be either a major chord or a minor chord. And the difference between the major and minor, and Bill, you can kind of see where this is going, is whether you skip four of the... Uh, half steps like do you skip two black keys or do you skip only one black key but it's the major minor distinction is really only between like the root and the next interval up right Right, and the third and the third interval up if you're skipping two then that'll be a major chord and if you're skipping one that'll usually be a minor chord the difference between the major third and the minor third is a half step yep and there's a rule 
you can't play a minor and a major chord at the same time. We'll call that a law for now. I liked it sort of sketches of Spain vibes. Right, right. Okay, but here we come. Okay, here's... A little bit of guitar. So that was two minutes of intro. Listen to this harp. And I mean harmonica harp here in a second. sort of twist into jazz and blues. Yeah. And and what makes a thing sound like jazz is going to be how far away do you stray from those three notes in the triad of the chord you're playing? If you play the seventh up, that begins to sound jazzy. If you play also the ninth, then very jazzy. And you can keep going like that. Listen to the guitar right before he starts singing. Plays the same notes and with almost the same sort of bendy feel to it right here. You know, it's not just the same notes. It's the same bendy inflection, right? This harmony sounds like Carol King or Traffic or something. Is that... I was going to say it has sort of a 70s sort of sensibility to it, like 70s rock feel. So listen to... um, What is this? Is this a chorus? Is it a bridge? Listen to the decaying organ noise right here. funny how this is so I just am hearing Carol King lyrics over this harmony totally <laughs> yep agreed <laughs> you hear that is it honestly honestly that was pretty good <laughs> yeah I, I agree with that well I would say that Maybe Carol King, like we were talking about the root, the third, and the fifth. Like her chords are going to go beyond those a little bit, but not like these. Like this guy is intentionally playing, and this guy because it's a band called Talk Talk, but really, it's uh, it's one guy named Mark Hollis. Okay. So my question for you is, how much of this shift in their sound do you attribute to Mark or the bands wanting to push somewhere else? rather than like a swing away from synth pop in general. And this is just their response to that. I'll answer that in a second. We already heard this. I I think this is maybe the chorus. We weren't sure. Well, with it repeating, it feels like one. Listen to this piano here. So quiet when it resolves. Is it a resolution? I don't know. 
Maybe the resolution is first and it quietly goes away from it. Really interesting and sensitive. Contrary motion in that. Tim, your question about the band. I'm pretty sure that this is 100% Mark Hollis's direction. There's an album they did after this. And then that was their last album. Uh, and then he had a solo album after that. Yeah, my, my question always when I'm going back is like, all right, cool. What was Mark listening to at this point in time? Was he on a Carol King bender, um, or was he was he going deep into jazz, um, or was he listening to Duran Duran and you know New Order? Or was his was his earlier stuff totally like a production of we need to be commercially successful, and now he's right, right. maybe got more latitude. Maybe he doesn't need to right, right. you know pay for whatever anymore and can afford to just feels be free to do doing what he's interested in. It is more interesting, for sure. <laughs> I mean, Carol King is a songwriter and writes beautiful songs. These are compositions to me, you know, and it's a different kind of thing. It's also reminding me of the war on drugs, which is maybe to say the war on drugs should have been reminding me of this, just if you think of chronology. <laughs> but in terms of the different sounds and textures... Here we're back with Dispatches to Spain. <laughs> it's awesome, just for that one little note. Well, there, there are lots of notes that are going to make you feel like yeah. that. And, and what's making you think that is that the harmonies, These are I don't know whether these are melodies or harmonies. They're both in this part of the song. But if they are harmonies, they are definitely not triadic harmonies, right? They are right next to each other, half steps, whole steps together. You don't usually have them... Hmm like this and then you think it's random until you listen to the bass notes in the organ here every that's low that's very low that almost sounds like it's like a synth bass it's like a foghorn yeah and it's definitely the organ and it and it repeats itself enough times that it's definitely intentional this is not just like random notes Right. He's hearing these harmonies and wants to get them, which is not the same as like, I'll play something. Oh, that's unexpected. I played it and now I'm going to stand by it. Right. Accidentally on purpose. This is definitely planned and on purpose. So like that song, you know, just four years after It's My Life. Okay. And I think you'll agree that that's far away from the synth pop of where they were. Right. Now we're going to get into this song called Desire. It's actually the same piece of music that we just heard. Like the import that I found treated these as one piece. Three songs that were all um, one piece and each of them like seven or eight minutes long. But the third sort of movement of that piece is called Desire. And it's going to have a lot of the same strange sort of is this melody or is this harmony moments a whole step and half step harmonies together when you might expect something more triadic. Now, we're going to get to the major minor part of this. We said before that the minor third is you skip over, you know, one black key, you go up three half steps, and that's the minor 
Now, listen to this guitar playing the bass notes, okay? So that lowest of the two notes that he's playing is the root. It's an E. The higher of the two is the minor third. You can tell that this song is minor. All the But that that's two different chords, right? One chord, it's all E minor, and he's just playing two different notes in the chord. Huh. But he's playing the minor third in the bass. Okay, I'm a little lost, but okay. He's established that this is clearly a minor song by playing the root note and then without changing the underlying chord also touching on the minor third of the thing at the same time and all the other instruments are also playing that same minor third there's no denying that the song is minor got it why does that matter it wouldn't matter but it doesn't stay minor it's going to go major in a second and it's going to be major and minor and that those two things can't and shouldn't coexist Listen right here. Major. Minor. Major. Minor. Every measure. Major. Minor. Okay, every measure it's changing. How is he doing it? He just doesn't play the major third when the bass is playing that high minor third in the bass there and it took me a while to figure out how and why this happens but when I learned it it helped me love this minor major dichotomy and it's a theme of our podcast yeah right. we've talked about this a lot now listen to this Bill check out that percussion I mean, there's egg shaker, maracas, cowbell in there. It's amazing. <laughs> now we're back to being minor the whole time. Okay. And, and we'll go back to the same sort of... First, we have to play a lot of... Um, some Miles Davis some sketches of Spain. Action. I'd say that if he's influenced anywhere, it's with sketches yeah. of Spain, right? I think so. Um, it's in both those songs. Those are two different songs. There's a lot of um, mute... Harmon, probably Harmon mute trumpet in all these songs. And real quick, I want to talk about how in the when he plays that bass note, it's definitely the G, and it's definitely the... There's the major again. Listen to the high note of the bass. You won't hear the major third when he's playing that there, the high note of the bass. Here, we'll do, he'll, he'll do it one more time, okay? So is your, is your premise here, Waldron, that the, the coexistence of minor and major should be cacophonic and isn't? It, it would be if they were happening at the, exactly the same time, but he's using, he's being very careful about when to not play that major note.
keeping that, that minor third in the bass note, and then whenever that happens, he's deliberately not playing the major third, and it would definitely be cacophony. Before we talk about that, listen to this, Bill. I need more cowbell. Cowbell. <laughs> so, so Washington, I think like one of the things that's important is so he's basically switching back between, he's toggling between major and minor. He's not playing them simultaneously, major and minor. But it gives you that feeling of having a minor song and a major song at the same time because he's switching every, the bass is definitely staying the bass. I call it the bass because it's the bass notes. It's a guitar, but that thing is staying minor. It's playing the root, it's playing the minor, it's playing the root, minor. And everything else plays, in the organ especially, is playing major and then minor, or, or not playing major when the bass is playing the minor. And it's just so clever, the way it happens. It's like a puzzle, yeah. You might not notice it. It just sounds uplifting when, in the middle of this minor song, in the same key of the minor song, you're getting a major chord. And so, your interest in this, how much of that is insider baseball geeking out on what an artist was capable of creating versus a statement about the human impact of like yeah. playing with major and minor and what that evokes tim i was into this whole album and particularly this movement or the song of this uh album for years before it occurred to me, wait a minute, is that a major note in the organ? And if so, how is that working? And then I sit down with, in my case, it's a guitar. I'll sit down with to try to figure it out. And then I realized that's how this is happening. So it's definitely it appealed to me way before as a piece of music, standalone. In the same way that a lot of the Pink Floyd stuff and a lot of the middle period uh, Radiohead stuff does. Like, this is interesting and different, and for a rock band to be playing it, it's outside of what I would have expected. This next song, this album, they finally waited three years before doing the next album, and it's called Laughing Stock, and it's in the same vein. This song is really cool. It's called After the Flood. And again, a seriously long intro Yeah. where there's guitar and keyboard. They're all playing this ascending line. They're ascending at different rates at different times, and it's got a cool effect. This playlist feel that is going to come out of this episode feels like it's going to be good for background, for working on other things. Well, it will be after you get through the first two songs from the 80s on it. Sure. For the early 80s synth pop. Yeah. Just out of curiosity, how influential do you think Talk Talk is? Like, when, when I hear some of the stuff you've been playing, I can hear some Coldplay or some Zero Seven or some Thievery hmm. Corporation. Like, I can hear some of that, and I'm just wondering if that is... I think is... that these guys and Mark Hollis are particularly influential. Yeah. I think that among music nerds, like, probably... Tom York was into this, right? <laughs> but hmm. I don't know if that's the same as being influenced by it. I don't think anybody knows this band other than the 80s stuff that we listened to, the early 80s sounding synth pop stuff, right? I, I did a quick search to see how much Talk Talk showed up in film soundtracks. And it, it doesn't seem like a lot, which is weird because this just feels like background music. 
I totally hear what you mean. It seems like a band that a music supervisor would be way into, right? Now there's more than two minutes of intro before you get lyrics. But we kind of have time for it because the song is nine minutes 40. We didn't talk about these lyrics, which you cannot understand at all and which seem impenetrable when you do look them up. They're very low in the mix, for one thing. It's an instrument in the orchestration, in the mm. composition, mm -hmm. as opposed to... Mm -hmm. All right, and, and then listen to this guitar solo. It's a minute and 15 of pure feedback. And <laughs> this guitar solo is the reason I can't have Talk Talk on in our house ever because <laughs> Mary will not tolerate a minute and 15 of this guitar <laughs> feedback got guitar it. solo. Got it. Waldron, do you consider yourself a fan of noisy music? Not really, not usually. I had a professor at Berkeley who was like, look, if you want your simple triad harmony to sound amazing and different and maybe dissonant and weird, give people a minute and 15 of pure dissonance to get used to and then resolve to something else. And it maybe could give you an uplifting feeling and we'll see if that works. I think in this case, it's more relief than anything else when it's all over. It's an aggressive act on his part, I think. It is, listen to this right here. This whole thing does feel like Radiohead and Pavement to me. That's cool. I yeah, Pavement, that's a good call. I like it. Yep. I like it a lot. Waldron, I know you've put a lot of effort into sharing your thoughts on Talk Talk with us, and it's really fascinating. I'm learning a lot. But I also wonder if I can interrupt you for a quiz. Oh my god, okay. <laughs> Definitely you can. Just remember, it's, it is the segment the fans love. <laughs> oh my god. I'm not going to be able to answer any of these questions. Tim's a quiz participant too, so we can call this a contest. Oh no! It's a oh section God. the fans love. <laughs> All right. So, so the the '88 album you referenced, Waldron, Spirit um, of Eden. Spirit of, of Eden. It was released according to the research briefing on September 12, 1988. And so I just wonder, the Billboard Hot 100 from 1988. Who can name more artists who also had hits? So not asking for the names of the hits, but artists who had hits in the same okay. quarter. Michael, I'm going to... Jesus. Artists who had hits in the third quarter. So that... Single elimination. I'm going to give the right of first... <laughs> that, uh, the first go to Tim. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. Let me, let me just get my Christ. head together. So September... <laughs> is Q3. All right, fine. Think about it fine. as like the summer right. of 1988. Okay. July, fail. August, September. Now you're looking at stuff. You're not allowed to look more. at anything, Tim. No, I'm not looking at anything, but I'm going to say, you said, but I'm going to, if we're going elimination, I am going to say Michael Jackson. God damn this it. This is like Man in the Mirror. Uh, no, it's probably before Man in the Mirror. Michael but there's no Jackson, way Michael Jackson was Ma not on. 
that's a good that's a good first pick i would say and michael jackson did have a hit in the summer of 1988 and that hit was dirty diana Mm, great song okay so now waldron you each get to go you each get to say three things i'm gonna go madonna madonna is false boom (laughs) bam one nothing all right Uh, go ahead I feel like this is wrong, but I'm going to say it anyway because I feel like they had a couple late stragglers uh, in excess. That is false. Good guess. Didn't they have? Didn't they come back in the late '80s? I mean, this is a very particular quarter. <laughs> this is a hard quiz, right? We're going the summer of '88. Oh, oh, I've, I'm summer going U2. I'm going U2. False. Oh my god, dude. <laughs> right, Tim, um, take it away. Sn- uh, snap. This quiz is ridiculously hard. False. <laughs> Shit. So far, okay. You get, uh, you each get, so Waldron gets one more pick, and then you get one more pick each after that. Go ahead, Waldron. This is terrible. I only want one. I can't even think of, like, what my next pick this would be. Is, it's very hard. I'm going to pass it to Tim. I'm going to pass the mic. Okay. Uh, Tim, vanilla Tim. Ice. Oh, <laughs> nice. Good guess. So I think he went well, I've got. I've got a late entry. All right, go for it. Go for Millie it. Millie Vanilli. Millie Vanilli. All right. Oh, nice, Waldron. So I'll tell you, it, the score at the end of this contest is 1-0, Tim. And I'll, <laughs> I'll share with you the other artists who had hits in the third quarter of 1988. Cheap Trick. Oh, Christ. Richard Marks. You're going to hate this one. Steve Winwood. Roll oh, With It. No. Well, which okay. was Which was a hit that lasted from July through... 23rd through August 20th. Yeah, George, I consider that to be not ch- music. George Michael. Oh, George Michael. Yeah. Guns and Roses, Sweet Child O Mine. Well, we should have said the Beastie Boys. And Bobby no, was and Bobby Mc, and Bobby McFerrin, don't worry, be happy. <laughs> so, I was going to say Beastie Boys Waldron, but like, you know, License to Ill was 86 and yes. then Paul's Boutique was 89, so I worried about 88. I did. Right. I really enjoyed that that <laughs> that <laughs> moment of revenge. Do you want to record a couple of extras false so that I could like layer them in there? False. So <laughs> false. False again. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm pretty much done talking about like the later day talk talk stuff. I only want to just touch on one last thing because I think Tim, your question about like what happened to um. Yeah, was it a band effort or was it a Mark Hollis effort? Like, after Laughing Stock, the only other album this guy Mark Hollis did was a solo thing, and it's much the same kind of thing. Uh, and it's it's even more. It's, he goes even further, right? This is full of orchestral instruments, lots of reed instruments, double reeds, corps anglais, and um, like bassoon, and that, that's on top of like single reed stuff, like clarinets and the harmonica. Just real quick, Bill, what's going on with this ride symbol? Is it that there's a tambourine on it or something? Or like Um, if there's anything on it, it's probably like a pull chain. Have you ever seen when uh, a drummer will put like a a metal chain that sits on top of the ride symbol so when you hit it that kind of vibrates and and makes it bounce around and hits it some more so it but I don't know if that's necessarily happening here. Well, there's definitely a tambourine noise, and I guess it's separate from 
Oh, the jingles that one and two and yeah, that's a that's that's like a different instrument. That does sound like a tambourine or just a jingle stick. I hear that oboe. Check out the sound of this guy's voice when he sings. Should have said so much right here. Listen. Should have said so So plaintive. There definitely is a journey from where they started to here. <laughs> Should have said so much makes it harder the more you love. I mean, that's nice. It makes sense. But it's not there for the lyric. It's there for the feeling of the it. Sounds. Like the the right. words, if you don't understand them, you don't lose the song, right? Well, the the spirit of, what, of the question I was asking you, Waldron, was like, we forget as fans that musicians have influences and are influenced by and are evolving and that that's not a linear path where they're not only responding to what's cool in the moment, they're like discovering stuff. And so it feels to me like Mark Hollis has a really broad base. I mean, I I wish I knew the answer to the question, like what were his influences? I just don't know them. Only a couple of other things on his solo album. This song called In a Life, which is just random squeaky reed instruments, orchestral reed instruments, is just ponderous and you don't know where it's going. But if you can listen through three minutes of it, you get a beautiful um, piano thing in a second. It's almost like two different pieces of music. can hear that this is like this is his solo album and the last two albums that we touched on were talk talk albums it's clearly talk talk is led by this guy's musical direction i like the voice in this i really like all the picks you're playing for us today cool i'm glad yeah like I, I want to listen to more of this. How long? How long is the weird part in front of this song? Three minutes before you get to this of just like weird. So why? Why is my question? Like this is beautiful, and I and I I get and appreciate fucking with your audience, right? Like that, or making someone work to get somewhere. But it's a it's a really intentional choice to make someone work through that kind of torturous sounds to get to something so beautiful i agree with that yeah i feel like maybe mark hollis and talk talk would be way more known and influential if they didn't make you listen to a minute and 15 of Mm. pure feedback to get to the uplifting resolution of it but here we're back into the squeaky half and whole step harmonies together that are this is maybe atonal right i don't know the last thing I want to play from the Mark Hollis solo album, and he died actually in. Um, okay. Let's see. I can tell you. February 2019. Right. So he he died not too long ago. This song here called "The Color of Spring" is sort of a good way to end talking about this band. There's a whole album called "The Color of Spring" by Talk Talk, 
and it's the one from 1986 that we haven't yet talked about. So you remember we left off in total synth pop, It's My Life, and then suddenly went to, four years later, Spirit of Eden, and a completely different yeah. sound. Here is something maybe in between. I want you guys to tell me if you think so. It takes a minute to get there, and maybe that's also part of sort of going from where they were to where they ended up. Like, it, they make you wait. Feels like an 80s drum track. It does. Or drum sounds. In excess. This is called Happiness is Easy, and it's on this album, Color of Spring, from 1986. Same sound in the voice, right? Still, but it sounds like the Britpop voice. Yeah. But the composition's much more complex. But it hasn't gotten away from the from the 80s feel right somewhere in between you know you've got moments in the piano and the guitar that I call them little moments yeah it's interesting at the at the surface level it's like a tears for fears record you know <laughs> but there's a level of sophistication kind of underneath it I agree with that maybe if you took yourself seriously as a composer or musician in the 80s during the synth pop period you might end up here if you were right. in it for the commercial aspect of it you might never have gotten here right I don't know if that's at all valid but yeah, let's go with <laughs> it let's go with it so it's decided for Talk Talk it's decided and the proclamations are simple the very best album by Talk Talk is Spirit of Eden from 1988 and the best song is called Desire the third track, depending on which version of the album you get. And it's a no-brainer. Those are definitely the very best. Awesome. Well, get in touch, everybody. We have many ways you can do that. You can follow The Very Best on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. You can email us. We'd love to hear from you. You can write to contact at theirverybest.com or wrong at theirverybest.com or false at theirverybest.com if you like. And <laughs> Tim, our, you like that? <laughs> our web, I do. Our website is theirverybest.com. You can find the playlists on the website. I can't, I can't wait to listen to the playlist for this song on the website, which will be up. So we'll do more of these. So beware. Watch out. We'll be offering more unsolicited, wrong opinions in the near future. I'm Bill. I'm Waldron. And thanks for listening to Their Very Best. And thank you, Tim, for joining us. Always great to have you along. My pleasure. Thanks for having me along. <laughs>